You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Tuesday, April the 4th, another bright early start here in TW11 and eyes around the globe as ever on this daily podcast, at the end of which, for just the fourth time, since July the 1st, 2020, we will be heading to Argentina. And once again, we are reminded how the South American nation has influenced some of the most significant bloodstock in the world. We'll be talking to Alberto Stein, leading owner and breeder there. Another man with his eyes around the globe is Tom Palin from Midland Park, who may well be on the cusp of the syndicate's first Kentucky Derby runner, trained by Archie Watson. Keir Jurabchin from Ammo Racing. Well, he's been tasting success both sides of the Atlantic. The uh, Gulfstream Park, Florida Oaks on Saturday, the same day as he was having winners at Doncaster. Just how powerful is his European squad this year? We find out as he gives me an exclusive interview. He also talks about the betting in of Kevin Stott as his stable jockey in the brand new yard in Lambourne, now occupied by Dominic French Davis, plus a couple of new recruits amongst ammo racing's trainers this year but of course we're not too far away from the grand national the world's most famous steeplechase indeed you could argue the world's most famous horse race and it has an interesting and slightly different shape to it this year as we discussed on the podcast yesterday in a moment i'll be talking to a man who bred owns and trains a possible runner in the race you'd never have thought would get in david yates from the daily mirror is with me today your thoughts will be turning hard to the grand national in your role david and you're looking at a race that might be a little unfamiliar with what we've become used to i think that's absolutely right nick um i had a, a few days lying in a darkened room after cheltenham and now the focus turns to aintree doesn't it um one thing that struck me i don't know if, if i'm uh, wrong in this but every year one has to give uh, five stars to the 40 runners and I hope that we're going to get 40 uh, in this year's Grand National and of course time was when you had horses that were running from way out of the handicap you could throw one star at those think don't worry they won't win just in recent times of course um, everything being in the handicap you're just a bit more worried about giving one star to um horses you, you, it's generally the ones that, that you think won't stay and they won't come and bite you on the backside but am I on my own this year in thinking looking at the odds comparison websites that there are an awful lot of 66 100 to one shots in uh, the list this year and and I, I think that come the middle of next week when one starts putting together the the guide to the 40 runners and and everything else that I just fear that there are there are horses in the the second half of the handicap that I feel might just be able to bite us on the bottom with those uh, one star ratings. Am I am I alone in thinking that there are more quote unquote no hopers in this year's race than there have been in the last few years? No, I think you're I think you're right. I think there's quite a few horses who are not necessarily really well credentialed for the the test of stamina and are not particularly progressive you can of course see Aintree really light horses up that are, that have appeared to have gone south a little bit 
Plus, I think there's an awful lot of horses, particularly some of those trained in Ireland in the in the 40 to 50 bracket who are looking likely to get a run now, whose handicap mark hasn't slipped quite as quickly as some of those British horses. And therefore, they may yet get in. Gordon Elliott will be the key because Milan native, Deffy, Blur, Punitive, Coco Beach, Fakira, Dunboyne, Gevre, they're all double entered in the Irish National and the National in itself. And it'll be interesting to see whether he... He holds out to see one or one or two of those might get to entry. Dunboyne is now virtually guaranteed a run, incidentally, with the news that Envoi Allen, as expected, will not run in the Grand National and instead could clash with Galapin Deschamps at Punchestown. That would be quite something. Yeah, that is a fascinating clash in prospect. Uh, Envoi Allen roaring back to form under Rachel Blackmore in the Ryanair chase at Cheltenham, of course, once uh, the poster boy of jump racing and, and very much back in the limelight with his third festival win a couple of weeks ago. Um, you'd still have to think, I'd have thought that, that Galapin Deschamps would be a, a heavy favourite for that clash. It'll be over three miles in the Punchestown Gold Cup. Um, of course, prior to his victory in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, Galapin Deschamps had, had proved himself over fences if we if he needed to uh, prove his stamina in the Irish Gold Cup uh, with that thumping victory at Leopardstown. So not a massive surprise that Envoi Allen doesn't go uh, for the Grand National. And those are those are three horses in uh, the top 40 that um, that won't be going. So as you say, Dumboyne will get in and, and one would think that uh, Frankie de Burley is there as well. And beneath those, plenty of horses doubly engaged in the Irish Grand National and I think we'll be we'll be dipping quite a bit uh, further down into the the late 40s and early 50s uh, for horses who have got a, a very conceivable chance of running this year. Well tonight I decided to make the acquaintance of uh, Robert Murphy, Bob Murphy who trains in in County Waterford, Capaquin County Waterford. Uh, not many horses and really mainly just for himself just the odd one down the years. Uh, he had a horse called uh, Darren's Lass, from whom he bred Darren's Hope, another mare that's sitting in there with a just a little chance of getting into the race. Bred, owns, trains, the whole lot. And uh, I asked him whether he really felt that he'd he'd had any chance of, of getting into the race when, when he entered her. Very, very slim. We just gave a run there over a week ago. She ran again then. The Devil's coach when he was favoured and for the Irish National. He's very favoured for the Irish National. And she ran against him, but she, we used a bit too much gas out in front. We left the runaway out in front. We probably should have held her up a bit, but sure. She ran, she ran reasonably well, like, so we were happy enough, like, you know. Entry, entry would be my first promise if I could get into it, like. Bob, for those who aren't familiar, just tell us a bit about your own training and and how it all started with the dam of of this mare, Darren's lass. Oh, sure, like I'm in horse for years, and like I had been in horse before, and I brought down lasses. She was only a three year old when I bought her, and we broke her and we started riding on. We didn't know much about her. I wanted to train any horse at that stage. She was one of the earlier horses I trained, like you know. And we've been breeding horses ever since I've brewed mares. And I always try to go to one of the best talents I can get always from, from my mares. But um, Dan's last was, she was a fine big mare. And Dan's Hope now, and I have another half, two half sisters to Dan's Hope, Dan's Diamond and, and Dan's Park. Yeah, and you had another good uh, good filly out of the out of the mare, didn't you? Acting lass who, who Harry Fry trained. I, that's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. 
with a couple of hard luck stories in a couple, one or two of them got killed. Um, Phoenicia Williams had an enormous horse out of my old week, and earlier, and, and around the same time as Harry Friday the year before, I think. And it was only run, one is point to point, and it, and it, it got killed the first time it ran in England in a, in a, in a hurdle race. And, and am I right in thinking that, that Darren's lass herself ran in a, an Irish national? That's right, Josh. And ran in all six. Your number six very, very bonus. And Bob, what, what are the attributes you think that would make Darren's hope suitable for, for entry? She's a very sound, very sound jumper on his all her life. Like, you know, she jumped very well. And she won. She actually won two maiden hurdles, but we were only credited with one The first one we weren't credited for some reason at all. But she actually won two maiden hurdles. And she, she won she won a couple of pint of pints as well, like before she went before she went to the track like. To to own, breed and train a, a mare like this and to, to take her to entry, what would that mean for your for your team, for your yard? It would be fantastic for us. We never thought we'd ever get that far with a mare like you know. But to have a mare good enough to do something like that. And it if she did go and if she did get in, would you have a would you have a rider lined up? Who'd who'd likely ride her? I think that's Danny probably would be riding for Willie, so maybe that or Keith or maybe in in power. Well, um whoever gets the ride's very lucky. Um she's a cracking jumper. I wish you I wish you all the best, Bob. Um fingers crossed we see you in Aintree. Thanks very much, All the best to you. Well, it was very enjoyable there to make the acquaintance of, of Bob Murphy, who I must confess I'd not met or, or encountered before. Uh, David Yates is still with me. David, um, there aren't many Bob Murphys to the pound nowadays. I, ho- I hope she gets in. It certainly would be a story. I'm used to uh, playing a, a fairly well-scratched record these days on the Nick Luck Daily, Nick, about bemoaning the, the fact that... Uh, so many of the big prizes these days, flat and jumps, fall into a relatively small number of hands. And this would be a, a fantastic story for the Grand National if Bob Murphy, owner and trainer of Darren's Hope, were to win the world's greatest steeplechase. And a little bit of spring-like weather, ground just drying a shade, and some quite positive news as regards the, the crowd that Aintree might be expecting. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the... The crowds at Cheltenham came under the microscope because uh, they were down on recent years and and that led to a little bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth as to whether uh, the festival held quite the pulling power that it used to. But it seems in terms of the national that we're going to see the biggest crowd since 2015 there were 68,103 uh, on uh, the course that day when many clouds uh, scored. Um, 64,902 saw Noble Yates 12 months ago. But um, the tickets for the main enclosures at Aintree have now been sold out. The only ones that are left are at the embankment. That's just at the side of the track uh, for uh fences i suppose one to six and um, so it looks at least that on national day we're going to see the biggest crowd for eight years so if we were going to link 
the numbers at Cheltenham and perhaps look for uh, a downward turn in the popularity of our big races, our big jump races, then we'll perhaps have to look elsewhere because it looks as though April the 15th is going to have a bumper crowd. And just one other thing, Seleka Varma predicting good soft ground for Aintree. Certainly uh, that's going to be the aim. They had a wet march and there is a, a tricky forecast, I think, an unsettled forecast up to a week Saturday. So they're expecting the ground to be on the soft side of good. Well, we, we said yesterday that the seasons were in transition, but you know that the that flat season is upon you when you see the purple and white silks of ammo racing winning races either side of the Atlantic, as indeed they did on Saturday, because Affirmative Lady was very good in the Gulfstream Oaks, trained by Graham Motion, and there were winners uh, at Doncaster. Maxi King, uh, a very impressive winner of the three-year-old maiden for new trainer Dominic French-Davis, and Valadero going down only by a neck in the, in the Brockles being a... In a very demanding race, Keir Jarobchen is ammo racing and he's uh, on the line with me now. I assumed, Keir, I would catch you still um, enjoying Miami, but you've, you've, you've jetted back to, back to London. How was Gulfstream Park? Um, Saturday was just a great experience and the crowd was, it was just packed out. It was a great um, atmosphere all round. Um, and the racing was just phenomenal, especially with the Florida oaks with the Gulfstream oaks and then the you know the derby um affirmative lady another tribute to the to the late and very much missed arrogate you you're with a trainer who is brilliant with uh with fillies of the of the classic generation as he's shown either side of the atlantic what are the big plans for her where might we see her next i'm assuming kentucky oaks is is number one target yeah, I mean, you know, it was a, it, you know, we've been we've been very patient with her, um, and Graham has done a phenomenal job with her. To be fair to him, and he has, you know, he's been very patient with her. Uh, she's taken her time. I think you know it was incredible because when we were doing when we were in the sales, literally nobody wanted to buy her, and um, you know, I I spoken to a couple of trainers and they were all telling me arrogate you know he's not in form no one wants to really touch arrogate and then we loved her we loved her from day one we loved her we have another arrogate cult that uh is a three-year-old now hasn't come out yet but we loved him too and there you go and graham liked her a lot from day one and and was very happy with her but she just needed a bit of time and now arrogate's booming <laughs> everywhere you look, you know, there's an arrogate uh, offspring doing very, very well. And unfortunately, he died. Yeah, a, a great shame. What a, a brilliant racehorse he was. Uh, you were enjoying that while your horses were running through the mud at Doncaster and, and running creditably on the synthetic at, uh, at Kempton Park as well. You had a, a, a stack of runners over the weekend. Is that indicative of a strengthened squad numerically this year? Are you, are you, are you going in even harder? I think we have a we have a very strong squad this year, um, and we have a very strong group of trainers this year. And you know, we finally worked our feet out, and it's taken us a couple of years to get there. But I think you know, this year has been a lot of fun. You know, the weekend before we had a stack of runners in Ireland. We had six runners in Ireland with you know Buccaneer Forte being our first two year old winner over there, and Kevin flew there to to ride that. I think, you know, we've got a really, you know, ambitious task for him. 
the Brockles be unfortunately our first and second choice horses both didn't scope well um, and we went with a third one who probably wasn't 100% ready for that kind of a race in that kind of a mud but he really outperformed and he did very very well so we're very happy with him you know we came second there and generally speaking, I think our three-year-olds have matured a lot. As you saw with Maxi King, he's completely matured. He's now, you know, found his ground. In fairness to Dave, who had him last year, always sort of said, you know, this will be a next-year horse. And I think he was right. And Dominic and the guys there have done a fantastic job with him as well. We we spoke to Dom French Davis on the on the pod last week with with Tom. I was I was away in in Dubai. Um, this this yard that you now have in in Lambourne, where Joe Chute used to used to train, what's the kind of grand plan for that, Kier? What what do you how do you envisage that that developing under under Dominic French Davis's uh, stewardship? Well, I think you know we have the ambition of having something that you know also belongs to us. It's not a huge yard. Um, obviously, Dominic has the yard next door, and. You know, it made sense for us to take this particular yard and have Dominic with us, um, you know, because it's just literally, we are, it's connected. The yard is all one yard. I think I think when the previous trainer, and I want to say it was Tom Dascom, although I'm not 100, 100% sure, was there, I think he had it all as one yard anyway. And I think it was then split afterwards. So, you know, I think it just made... Uh, a lot of synergy, a lot of sense. And, you know, the plan is basically to have our own smaller 35 horse yard and make sure that we keep going with the trainers that we have because I'm really happy with all our trainers, you know. Most of them, you know, young trainers who are doing really, really well for us. Um, And, you know, we're all progressing in the right way. So it's a team effort, you know. We're a team now, and I think the trainers that are with us are part of our team. We're part of their team, and you know we're all playing the same game. So you you still got George Bowie on the on the team, Dave Lochnan, uh, Adrian Murray in Ireland, uh, Dominic French Davis. We spoke about Alice Haynes. Um, did I mention Richard Hannon? I'm sure I did. Uh, it's 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 got a, a similar look to it. Any any more names that that are, that are about to be added? Well, we still have we still have our trainers from the very beginning. Dave Simcock and Michael Bell have still got horses for us. We've added Tom Dascom this year. Um, he's got one for us, and hopefully we'll have two or three and slowly add him. He's in Lambourne, close to us. John Gosden, Roger Varian, they have a few for us as well. But yeah, we've kept pretty much the core of our, our horses. We have a couple with Carl Burke. We have one with uh, Rich. We have a couple with Richard Fahey as well. So I guess the new trainers that we've added a couple with are Tom and Richard Fahey, really. And Kevin Stott settling in as your as your retained jockey. What do you like about him? I think you know he's been a great addition to our team. Um, we're very very happy to have him. Uh, he's mature i think he's been around for quite a well i won't say a long time but the last few years he's learned a lot the different areas that he has been at and he's actually ridden um group one winner he's ridden uh 
horses that that Robson had actually pre-trained previously, like Star of Emirati. He won with that with for Kevin Ryan. So we've known him for a little while and uh, followed him. And he's just arrived to that moment where I think, you know, he is now, you know, all round a perfect uh, jockey for us and for our team. And hopefully it will be a partnership for a long time. You know, I love the sport. I I truly do and I hope you know I can be a part of I can be a person that can be a part of this sport growing you know I think when I see new owners coming in and competing and winning races I love that I love to see that and obviously we have a lot of lot of work to do to reach the levels of those big guys like the Coolmores and the Godolphins we have we are way 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 behind them and um, hopefully, you know, we can make a small dent and show them that, you know, the David and Goliath times, you know, sometimes you can win. All right. That was uh, Kia Jurabchen. Um, plenty of ammo indeed, David Yates, either side of the, the Atlantic. And, you know, there was a period during the course of last year when you suspected he was kind of cooling off on the, on the European side of things. Far from it, by the sounds of that. There'll be plenty of horses for Kevin Stott to ride. Yeah, absolutely right. Both in in Britain and in Ireland. And yeah, there was that point last year when I think we had a conversation as to whether um, his interest in horse racing was perhaps uh, beginning to plateau, perhaps slightly wane. But the evidence of uh, what he's just told you, indeed, I think the evidence of the um, the latter stages of the of the flat season in twenty twenty two suggests that his uh, his interest in the sport is still as strong as ever. It certainly looks that case for 2023. Um, he signed up Kevin Stott, who, as you say, is going to have uh, an, a, a very, very busy time of it over the next few months. I suspect a very successful one as well. And an interesting addition to the trainers roster in Tom Daskam. That's a that's a notable boost for him at a particularly important time. You feel? Yeah, absolutely right. Um, it's it's uh, a crucial few weeks and months for Tom Dascombe, of course, had that celebrated time uh, with Michael Owen up in Cheshire. Then there was the parting of the ways. It took him quite a way to, quite a while to find um, his training premises back in Lambourne, of course, where he first started training. This is, as I say, a crucial time for him. It's really important for him uh, to get a decent 2023 under his belt but certainly that is a a, a real notable uh, feather in his cap and of course before tom dascom took out his license he was assistant trainer to rafe beckett many moons ago rafe beckett who's got such a powerful string was uh, quite a, a powerful presence on the podcast last week in his comments about prize money with tom he also spun through quite a few uh, nice horses amongst them kin ross and it was confirmed to the thoroughbred daily news by uh, Kin Ross, his owner, Mark Chan's racing manager, Jamie McCalmont, that the July Cup would be very much the primary option for that horse and that he wouldn't be seen before Ascot. And that'll be music to the ears of Frankie de Tory. Dave, just tell us why. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's the the one Group 1 race that is missing, of course, from de Tory's CV. One would think that um, if Kin Ross does make it to... Uh, to Newmarket in the, the on the, the the second Saturday of July, if everything has has gone okay at Ascot, he'll be a, a pretty warm order for that race. All right, what about a, a British trained runner in the Kentucky Derby then? Well, it could happen. 
because Midland Park Racing, always up for a challenge, are considering the possibility of trying to uh, float Brave Emperor into the race, having picked up points at Chelmsford in the Cardinal Stakes on Saturday. Um, Tom Palin from Midland Park's with me now. Tom, what what's the likelihood of you ha- having enough points to to run in the race as things stand? Do you think? Uh, I'm pretty sure because he picked up uh, 20 for his win at Kempton, and I think he picked up another 10 for his second at Chelmsford. So that would secure him the guaranteed European berth in the Kentucky Derby. So if we if we choose to go over there, he will he will be taking a taking up his place in the starting stalls there. So that's very exciting, you know, just to have a horse who's qualified to to run in a race like that. Everybody's heard of a Kentucky Derby, haven't they? So um, it's very special to be talking about this. Um, Obviously, um, pounds, shillings and pence, well, more dollars and cents might need to come into it. And um, look, your your heart's saying, let's do it. But um, I just need to speak to our syndicate members and see if if our heads are going to let us take it take him across there as well you know the trainer's on board with it he, he he's never had a kentucky derby um runner before and he, in his own words he might not again so he actually's very much on board we're on board just um just if we can kind of justify it to ourselves really yeah i mean just looking at it as dispassionately as you can what what about the horse and about the way he races would give you encouragement to do it um, I think actually the race at Chelmsford on Saturday um, was probably quite a good example or quite a good um, quite a good trial, if you will, for a Kentucky Derby. It's normally quite hairy, harem, scarum racing over there, isn't it? And I ride very close to each other um, in American racing, and um, it was it was very much one of those races. It was a rough old affair, wasn't it? But he he seemed to relish it. Luke was saying when 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 he reported back to us the proximity of other horses and him having to get his elbows out a bit and angle his way out and and getting it right into a battle. You know, he, he is a brave horse, brave by name, brave by nature. And um, that was very much that was very much on, on show both at Kempton and at Chelmsford. Um the, the winner that, the winner on Saturday got his got got a good run up the inside and we had to barge our way out a little bit. But um Look, we we were delighted with it. Obviously, we don't know how a CU nation. He was a first season sire last year. How how he's going to take to to the dirt? But you know, I think I think our horse does have a few traits. You know, that battling, grinding nature um, that should stand him in good stead. Should we go to Should we go to Kentucky? Yeah, and from the Scat Daddy sire line, it's not com- not completely impossible, is it? No, absolutely. And on the dam side, his great great grandsire is uh, Secretariat <laughs> and uh, obviously it's the 50th anniversary of Secretariat winning that race so you know if, if poetry and romance is your thing then surely surely um, Brave Emperor has to have a good shout <laughs> Alright well it is Tuesday and you know what that means that means that we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, their excellent stallion book and their global stallion app. And I'm really pleased to say that this is the fourth time since we started this slot, what, nearly three years ago, that we visited Argentina. Previously, we've spoken to former rugby great and now owner breeder Marcos Aetza, director at Top Stud Aras Firmamento, Ezequiel Valle, and leading bloodstock auctioneer Antonio Bullrich. And I'm very pleased to add to the list Alberto Stein, who with his wife Renata own and run Aras La Leyenda, a stud farm in San Antonio de Areco, excuse my pronunciation if it's not quite right, which is just an hour's drive from Buenos Aires in the Las Pampas area 
of Argentina, which was founded in 2009. Alberto started the stud from scratch with 250 hectares and joins me on the line now. Alberto, great to to talk to you. Thank you for, for joining me today. Tell us why you started. You started from scratch on your own um, nearly 15 years ago now. What prompted you to to take the plunge? Well, uh, good morning, Nick. Nice to talk to you. Uh, I made my professional career in the steel business and I sold my business in 2006. So we decided with my wife to have a new life so I used to be a horse owner for many years. I used to have a farm producing milk. So we decided to buy a new piece of land and create a, a new project, which was to breed thoroughbred horses. That was the idea. So and we bought this piece of land of 650 acres. We started from very scratch, buying mayor by mayor, and I received the advice. He was my advisor in that tribe from Dan Rosenberg, who was the uh, finishing his uh, career in Three Chimney. So Dan worked with us for three years in a row. Now, I've, I've read what Dan Rosenberg says about you, and, and he says that you're the expert when it comes to to pedigrees that pedigrees are something that absolutely fascinate you is that is that really what what drove you to do this well i am not expert in pedigrees i am a student of pedigrees <laughs> and i really learned a lot about pedigrees working together with <clears throat> bill oppenheim who is a friend of mine and we worked together for a lot of years so he is my mentor in terms of pedigrees. What was your what was your first big success story at La Leyenda? Well, our big success story was to breed a champion mare here for a client of us, Mr. Gasparotto. The name of the mare is Dona Bruja, who was a champion mare here, and then uh, Mr. Gasparotto bring the mare to the U.S. And he she did like about six hundred US dollar racing there. Racing there, she won uh, three grade threes, and she was placed in uh, three grade ones. And now she's reproduce reproducing in America. I I remember her well. I think I I think I saw her running one day at uh, the the sadly no longer with us Arlington Park, and she was a. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was very much the talk of the town. She had a, a real cult following, didn't she? Yes, correct. And then we were able to breathe um, a couple of other champions here. Also, they were Philly. One is Summer Love, who was the winner of the Argentine Guineas and the Argentine Oaks. And we exported to US. It was bought by Jadmont. And also we were able to breed uh, Carta Embrujada, who also win two years later, it was two years ago, the Argentine Guineas and the Argentine Oaks, and has been sold to Northern Farm in, in Japan. Both are in, uh, in the breeding, <coughs> in the breeding uh, process in both farms. 
And to what extent, Alberto, is your ambition to to really try and integrate Argentinian breeding into into global breeding? So that your partnerships with with Kentucky, your partnerships with with Europeans, how how important is that to you? Well, this is absolutely crucial because uh, our program is based on the outcross. We have uh, really very lucky to succeed with this model, bringing uh, European or American stallions to be bred to Argentine mares, or on, on the other opposite, to bring imported mares from Europe or from America to be bred to Argentine stallions. This is our formula. And basically, I copy the formula from the best top four stallion of the last 40 years in the world. When you see, for example, Saddle Wells, the second dam has an Argentine broodmare side, for Lee. Mm-hmm. When you see Sunday Silence, it's the same. The broodmare side of the second man is Montparnasse, an Argentine horse. When you see Galileo has a full, full, full German family, and the the new star Gun Runner in America is out of an Argentine stallion with a full Argentine family. So when you see to the top of the top of the breeding business, which is the top stallions, you see that the outcross is working very, very well. And as I've discussed with with Argentinian um, breeders before on this show, the country's bred Indasor and Candy Ride, and as you mentioned, Forley, who was one of the the great um, forebears of some of the, the the wonderful bloodstock that we see across the world. Now, you've stood some some great stallions, Catherine, the Rye Exchange Rate, Offly Wild horses. People will know very well the little group of stallions that you've you've got now. Um, who are you most excited about? Well, we are very, very excited with uh, Storm Embrujado and Cima de Triumph because Cima de Triumph, because we have very uh, small amount of mares compared to other farms. Uh, Cima de Triumph, who is a Galileo horse and won the Italian Derby, came here when we have exchange rate and Freud. So he received not only few mares, but the uh, the the worst mares of our farm. But now that the other two stallions are not any longer, he's receiving better mares, and we are very, very uh, amazed by the quality of the horses he can produce. As a matter of fact, the champion filly of last year was by Sima de Triumph, who won the, the Guineas and the Oaks, and has been exported to Japan. It's a superb horse when he receives good quality of mares. How is Argentinian racing doing as, as we speak? Well, the Argentinian racing is doing uh, very well. It's absolutely normal. Uh, we basically race in, in three racetracks, Palermo, San Isidro and La Plata. The top racing, get, uh, <clears throat> they are being run in Palermo and, and San Isidro. And it's absolutely normal. We have a, 
another way of racing in Argentina, which is uh, uh, based on speed racing, which is take place outside of Buenos Aires. No, it's like a completely different market uh, for us that uh, we we do not attend because you know in Argentina the horse the horse is very very popular so uh, as we say in brazil people get entertainment in the weekend going to the beach in argentina people get entertainment going to the horses on the weekend well thanks to alberto and also to kia jarabj and to tom palin and at the beginning of the program to bob murphy david yates is still with me and david has some advice for you for today yeah, we're going to the 4.15 at Thirsk, Nick, and it's Garbucks. Uh, this horse, who's trained by Chris Kellett, formed a, a, a decent partnership with Laura Pearson last year with victories at Carlisle and Weatherby. A couple of runs on the all-weather um, this year. By no means bad runs, but has a better record back on turf and I hope can notch up a third career victory this afternoon. 4.15 race at Thirsk, number four, Garbucks. All right, Dave, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, April the 4th. Uh, we will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.